Welcome to the Gospel Foundations Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Coons. Gospel Foundations is a weekly podcast dedicated to the clear gospel and laying a firm foundation to help believers faithfully serve the Lord through detailed study of the scripture. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast, and thanks for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to Gospel Foundations. This is your host, Cody Coons. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've been encouraged so far about the topics that we've been talking about and the kind of the foundations we've been laying. I hope you've been encouraged by them and continue to be encouraged by future messages. And if you have been encouraged by what you've been hearing, can I ask that you share this with a friend or a family member, anybody really, anybody can use these foundational truths, whether they've been a Christian for a long time, maybe this will help clear some things up for them. Or maybe they've been a, a believer for a small amount of time. They're a new believer. These are very, very foundational truths that will help them in their Christian walk. Um, even share it with a friend who doesn't necessarily understand what Christianity is all about, true Christianity. That's actually what we're going to be talking about today. This would be a great message for someone who is skeptical or trying to understand exactly how to wade through what the world says about Christianity and about God and about Jesus and everything under those umbrellas. So we'll just go ahead and get right into it. We're going to be talking today about the myriad of religions out there and how we can know that what we believe, which is gaining eternal life by faith alone in Christ alone, is the true message from God. How do we know that? The Bible does a great job right in the beginning in Genesis of explaining what exactly religion is and what exactly is wrong about it. So to define what I'm talking about when I say the word religion, religion comes from a Latin word, which means to bind back. Okay, so to bind back to God. That is what we talk are talking about when we use the word religion. And I think that that's pretty obvious because when somebody says religion, they tend to be talking about some sort of ideology that is shaped around the fact that there is a God and how exactly it is that human beings relate to him. So if you will, turn in your Bibles, if you've got it, to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read this to you, and now we're going to be around Genesis, but we're going to start here because this is where the main part of our study begins. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. I'll go ahead and read. I think we're going to read through, um, yep, verse 17. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. 
Okay, so let's remember the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they decided to eat of the fruit of the tree that they were told not to eat of. Okay, they decided that they were going to decide what is good and evil for themselves. They broke God's commandment. They decided we'll make our own rules, and we're not going to fall under the government of God. And God told them that the day that you eat thereof of that tree, what would happen? They would die. And when God came to the garden that day, after they had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, instead of taking the punishment out on Adam and Eve, which was their just punishment, what did, they, what did God do? He slew two innocent animal sacrifices. And he took their skins and he clothed them. Now look at this picture. Adam and Eve were not innocent. That animal, which had done nothing wrong, was perfectly innocent. But through the virtue of the innocence of the animal, when he clothed Adam and Eve with those coats of skins, he could not see Adam or Eve without seeing innocence by virtue of the innocent animal that was covering them. Now, not their own innocence, but the innocence of the animal that was slain. Okay, the animal substitute. But God also gave them something else that day. To Adam and Eve, he gave them a promise. He told them that everything that had just happened, right, the sin that had just ha happened, being under sin, being under the curse, that he would one day send somebody that would deliver them out from under the curse of sin and death. Turn with me to chapter 3 of Genesis, just right to your left, and let's look at verse number 15. This is the first time God is promising, right out of the garden, it's the first time God is promising human beings salvation. Okay, let's look at verse number 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. That is between the serpent and the woman. We know that the devil um, beguiled Eve and tricked her into eating the fruit in the garden. So it says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And when God slew those animals and covered Adam and Eve, he was illustrating how he was going to accomplish this promise in the future. So now that we have that background, I suggest that you go read through Genesis from the beginning up to chapter 4 here so you just have an understanding of what was going on. But now that we have that understanding of the, the first two people, let's talk about the two sons. So like we read again in cha chapter 4 of Genesis, Verse 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve, outside of the garden, had two sons, Cain and Abel. If you go forward a chapter, you'll read that Adam and Eve actually had many sons and daughters. But God is going to use a situation in these specific sons' lives to teach us something. And in particular, it's going to teach us how we know what, quote, religion is true. What does God say about getting to himself? How do human beings connect with God? So we need to understand that these two sons were born outside of the garden. Okay, and there's a problem. Everybody that's been born since Adam and Eve, which is every one of us, has been born 
outside of the garden, away from the tree of life. Okay, and it's been going on that way for 6,000 plus years now. Human beings have been born separated from God and naturally sinful. We've all inherited this problem, sin and death. You are an inheritor of death. And if you don't think that to be true, you're just not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with the fact that there are children and you do not have to teach a child how to do things wrong. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to steal. You don't have to teach them how to be selfish. These things come natural. And here's one more thing that comes natural to every human being that's been born outside of the garden. Okay? You do not have to teach anybody how to die. It is a natural thing for human beings. We die. Okay? Because we have been born outside of the garden and we have inherited a sin nature and we are sinful. And because of that, we will die. Every human being you know will die. These are the awful conditions that human beings have been born into. And these are the same conditions that these two boys, Cain and Abel, were born into. You and I, like Cain and Abel, within ourselves or in ourselves, are not acceptable to God. But let's not forget that God made a promise that one day, right out of the garden, he made this promise that one day someone would be born who would deliver us, or to put it in modern terms, save us, out from under the curse of sin and death. He would make us acceptable to God, and he would give us the life that God had originally intended for us. Adam and Eve were not intended to die. They were eternal beings and were going to live eternally. Okay, and God said that one day he would restore this state to us through somebody he was going to send. So every human being shares the same problems. Okay, we all are sinful. We all die. But thank God we all also share the same promise. The promise that just like that animal that God slew in the garden to cover Adam and Eve's sin, that one day he would send Jesus to bear our sin on the cross. Okay, so we've looked at the two parents, we've looked at the two sons. So let's look at the two different offerings here. In verse 3 of Genesis chapter 4, it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and an offering unto the Lord. Look what that verse says. And in the process of time it came to pass. So these boys grew up. And learned about sin and the awful conditions that they were born under. And both Cain and Abel desired at this point in their lives to be accepted by God. That's why they're bringing an offering. So they decided to stir themselves up and to approach the living God to seek his acceptance. So in the process of time, these boys grew up and became aware of their condition and said, You know what? I'm going to approach God. And there's a lot of people out there right now who are feeling are thinking the same way. They want to approach God, but there's a nagging question. How do I know exactly how to do that? There are so many religions, there's so many texts, there's so many people that tell me how it is I'm supposed to approach God, but they're all different, or seemingly so. Think about it. There's so many religions in this world, 
so many denominations, even within the, quote, Christian world. It gets confusing. So just how do we know which one is true? And then how do we know if or when exactly it is that we are accepted of God? Now, God didn't put this story in the Bible as a matter of just being there so we can converse about it. It's a matter of explanation. He's going to explain something to this to us right in the beginning of the Bible. And he's about to use this picture of these two offerings to explain to us what, quote, I keep calling it religion, but what, quote, religion is true. How do we get to God? And just like the animals that were slain in the garden to cover Adam and Eve's sins were a picture of the promise of God, these two boys and their offerings are a picture of our approach to God. Let's read verse 3 again in chapter 4 of Genesis. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Verse 4 now, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Each of these two boys brought their own offering. And notice here this simplicity of their offerings. Now pay very close attention because what God's going to do here is take these two offerings and make the matter of religion extremely simple. Okay? Cain brings an offering and Abel brings an offering. And what we need to understand and what we're going to see is there's really only two religions in this world. Okay? That's it. Only two. You can take every single religion other than One, and I don't even want to call it a religion, but just to keep things simple, you can take every single religion other than one and boil it down to the same religion. And I'll show you that. You can melt all the world's religions down into the offering of Cain. So we have these two offerings, and there's really only two religions. So this matter of religion is very simple. So in verse 4, in chapter 4, of Genesis, it says, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock. Okay. The word offer means it's it's based off of a Latin word, it means to bring. So hence and Abel he also brought. So to offer something is to bring something. Let's put this in business terms. You make a business offer, right? You offer something as a business to another business or a client or whomever. You bring a proposal. You propose something or you offer something. Okay, so that's what Cain and Abel were do. They were coming to God and they were offering something. They were doing it on an altar, which was probably built out of stone. And, you know, to put it in modern day vernacular, we would say put the offer on the table. That's a business term. Put the offer on the table. Well, there's, they're putting the offer on the altar. Okay, and just as a understanding, people were saved in the Old Testament back right outside of the garden, the same exact way that you and I are saved today. Okay, it's always been by grace through faith. It's never been different. Okay, the only difference is they were looking forward to the promised Savior. We're looking backward. Okay, to the promised Savior because Christ has already been crucified. Okay, so I want you to see this altar as a point between. God and man, just like if we were having a business deal and the table would be the point between me and you, 
and where I'd laid my offer down, okay? I just want you to see this altar. There's nothing special about the altar. I just want you to see it as the point between God and man. So just like the offer being on the table, the other business associate that you're working with has to accept or deny the terms within the business offer. That's what these boys were doing. They were bringing an offering and putting it on the altar to be accepted or denied by God. So the terms of the offering that these boys were bringing are signified in what type of offering they're going to bring to God and put on the altar. Now I want to point out the similarity. of We've kind of looked at the simplicity of the offering. We've looked at the significance of the offering, what it means, right? The terms upon which you bring it and whether it's accepted or not. Let's look at the similarity of these offerings, okay? Cain had an altar. Abel also had an altar. They might have been the same altar, but still, they both went to the, they both went to an altar to offer something to God to be accepted of Him. Cain worshipped the one true God, did he not? Okay, he was bringing an offering to the one true God, just like Abel. Cain was very sincere in his religion and very faithful in his his religion. Look what it says that Cain brought, this is in verse three, of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. He worked for that fruit and he brought it unto God. Okay. He was very sincere. Okay. Cain wasn't fooling around. Cain did the same thing as Abel. He brought an offering. So I want you to see that you can be sincere. You can be and look just like a Christian and do everything that a Christian does go to church and you can even worship the one true God and you can still be wrong and lost the similarity of these two boys and what they were doing is a picture of that but I want you to see now the substance of their offering this is very important this is where it all kind of comes together okay the substance of their offering Okay, although their offerings were similar, there is a important and vital difference between what these two boys offered. Let's look at Cain's offering. What did he bring? The fruit of the ground, right? This is something that originates from earth. And you can boil all the religions down in the world to this offering. So think about what we would call the fruit of the ground today. We would call it produce, right? When you go to get fruit or vegetables from the grocery store, you don't go over into the um, paper section where the paper towels are. You go to the produce section. And think about it. What is every religion in this world based upon but our production? Okay, our produce. Something that you produce. Am I faithful enough to be accepted by God? Am I sincere enough to be accepted by God? Am I sorry enough? Have I repented enough? Am I doing enough good things to be accepted by God? Have I turned my life over to God? Have I given my heart to God? Have I done this or have I done that? It's all based on our production. This is every religion in the world based on our production to get ourselves accepted by God. And what Cain is doing here by bringing produce to God, what he produced from tilling the ground and um, producing this fruit, is he is trying to merit God's favor through his production. And is that not like most people in this world? Is that not all religions in this world? 
people try to take the best that they have, their good deeds, their sincerity, their love for God, their love for people, their selflessness, quote, quote unquote, and they offer it to God and put it on the offering table and say, God, accept me on the basis of this. I've heard people say, I know I'm saved because I've given my heart to God. They say, hey, God, here's my heart. Here you go. Accept me on this basis. Or I've heard people say that they're saved because they've asked God to save them. They take their asking or their prayer and they say, here you, got, here you go, God. Please accept me on these terms. Here you go. That's all the way of Cain. That's all exactly what Cain was bringing. Their production. Look what I produced, God. Please accept me based off of this. If all there was to being saved is to ask God to save you, then there was no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. You could have just asked God to save you. Okay? Okay, Cain brought his produce, what he produced, and said, God, accept me on this basis. But Abel brought something different, right? It says in verse 4, And Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and the fat thereof. Okay? Abel's offering was different. There was one vital difference, and I'm going to go and read it to you. If you can, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 4. Look how the Bible just ties into itself. It just interprets itself. So verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Do you see that? By faith Abel offered. So what was the difference between Abel and Cain's offering? Abel offered the offering by faith. Cain did not. Now, faith isn't laying something up on the altar and having, you know, trust or faith that God is going to accept you on that basis. Remember, the Bible says faith come by, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is believing God's word. So these boys, in the process of time, like Genesis tells us, grew up. They knew about the curse they were under of sin. They knew about the promise that was given. And in the process of time, Abel, by faith, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Abel was, by faith, believing the promise that God had given them that one day he would send somebody. Okay? He, by faith, was saying, I don't want to be accepted on what I do, but accepted based on the promise that you gave God. I believe that promise. So Abel takes a little lamb, just like the kind that God slew for his mom and dad when they sinned in the garden. And Abel took that little lamb and he slew it. Okay, and shed its blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin in Leviticus. So he killed that lamb and shed its blood just like God did to Jesus. The Bible says of Jesus that he was wounded for our transgressions. So Abel takes that lamb and he brings it to the altar. And it's like him saying, God, will you accept me not on my merit and not on what I can do? But based on the promise that one day you will send your son to do for me what I can't do for myself. I know I'm born in sin. Will you accept me on the merit of the promised one who is to come? Okay. The difference between all the religions in this world and truly how to get to God 
is that all religions are based on produce. The true way to get to God is based on promise. And that promise is good for you too. It's available to you. Okay. And it's not a promise like it was to Abel that one day someone will come. It's a promise that someone has come. He came 2,000 years ago, okay, and was born in a manger. He lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. He never had a dirty thought cross his mind. He never had a selfish motive. He never lied. He never cheated. He was the perfect, righteous, innocent, what the Bible calls him, Lamb of God. And he went to the cross and was a bloody mess and became the fulfillment of the promise that God gave them right outside of the garden so that you and I could look back and we can look at his sacrifice and we can lay on the table of our faith, Jesus crucified for us and say, God, not on my merit, but accept me only on the merit of Jesus. Okay, Islam, why are people strapping a bond to themselves and blowing themselves up in restaurants and killing innocent people? Well, they think somehow or another they're going to merit God's favor and be accepted by him. They're producing something. This is the way of Cain, okay? Bringing your produce and try to be merited or merit the favor of God by your production. Okay, Judaism. Still stuck under the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. God didn't give them that law to try to merit their salvation. God gave them that law to show them how crooked they are. Do you want to know how to tell if a stick is crooked? You lay a straight one right next to it, okay? That's what the law was given for, so that they would know that they are crooked and they need some other avenue. They need a savior. Okay, the Ten Commandments, trying to follow the Ten Commandments, Judaism. It's the way of Cain. Produce. Okay, Buddhism, Hinduism, karma, whatever you want to um, wrap it up under, it's all them trying to merit and do good enough to possibly reach some sort of level or what they think is God, which is, um, you know, nirvana. It's them trying to produce within themselves merit. Again, it's the way of Cain. Let's move it down closer to the Bible Belt, where I live. Okay, Methodism, Lutheranism, a lot of Baptist churches. Okay, what are they doing? It's their prayers. It's their surrendering of their hearts. It's their baptism. It's their church attendance, it's their giving, it's their repentance, it's their, oh, my life is so changed now. I was an alcoholic and now I'm not. It's their tears, it's their feelings, it's their experiences. They all take these things and they put them on the altar of their faith and say, God, accept me on the basis of these things. Look at the substance of their offerings. It is all the way of Cain. They brought their produce. They bring their produce. This is where people are so messed up. And I know I was there. I understand this is the natural human mind to think this way, that I must do something to merit God's favor. So let's look at the two outcomes of these two boys. Okay, if you will, um, in Genesis, still chapter 4, starting um, verse 4 again. In Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect on Abel and to his offering. Look at the inseparable link of the offering and the offerer. Okay, they are inseparable. Okay, look what it says. 
Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, in verse 5, but unto Cain and his offering, and to his offering, he had not respect. You cannot separate yourself from the offering, from your offering. Everybody in their mind has some way or some plan that they've devised that they are going to merit God's favor or merit not bearing the punishment that comes with sin and death. Okay, some people like we've talked about their sincerity, their love for God, their repentance, their turning from sin. Some people it's I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven or hell. Somebody in their mind has something that they're putting on their table and saying, this is what I'm trusting in for when I die. Okay, you can't separate yourself from your offering. And look, God had respect unto Abel's offering. Okay, he offered something and it was accepted. Okay, if your offering's accepted, you're accepted. If your offering's denied, like Cain's, then you are going to be denied. Okay, what does the word respect mean? Re, it means back, right? Inspect. It means to look, like spectacles. Okay, so God looked back at Abel's offering and what he offered and accepted the terms of the offering, which we know was believing in the promise that God had given him. If you look up the word respect in um, the Webster Dictionary, it means, get this, good will. Isn't that great? Think about the season we just left, right? In Christmas. Think about the story of the shepherds shepherding their flock, and all of a sudden there's an angel. There's angels in the sky, right? And what do they say? Glory to God in the highest. On earth peace and what? Good will towards men. God had respect towards Abel in his offering. He had good will towards Abel in his offering. Okay, when those angels said peace on earth and good will towards men, that goodwill, that offering was born. Okay, that sacrifice that Abel was trusting in was born, which was Jesus Christ. That goodwill that Abel had, that he had faith, and he placed upon that altar that one day his sacrifice would come, was born. And thank God because of the promise, so was our sacrifice born. Look at verse 5 in Genesis chapter 4. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Okay. In Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude. In verse 11 it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. There's only two decisions for human beings to make. Okay. They can either go the way of Cain or they can go the way of Christ, the promised Savior. Now Cain wasn't happy that God didn't accept his offering. Look, it says in verse 5, And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. But God argued with Cain. He tried to reason with Cain. He said, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, should thou not be accepted? God's saying, Won't I accept you, Cain, if you do like your brother Abel, if you do well? Cain, if you'll come my way, the way that I promised and the way that I told you, if you'll come to me, not based on your merit, which is nothing at all, it says in Isaiah that all our righteousnesses are fi of filthy rags. Okay, Cain, if you'll come my way that I promised you, okay, will you not be accepted? And this is where so many people are at. They are trying to bring their produce and go the way of Cain. And God is saying, I cannot accept you on that basis. 
I can only accept you on the merit of another because your merit is not enough. You may be a good man or a good woman or a good young boy or girl, but I'm telling you, God cannot accept you based on your merit. See, if you want God to accept you, he has to accept your offering. We all have an offering. Okay, Jesus pleased God. The Bible says it pleased God to bruise him. Okay, Jesus pleased God and accepted Christ and what he did. Okay, if you want to be accepted, you will have to be accepted only on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ. Just like Abel, you're coming to God and saying, Lord, not on my merit, but Lord, on the merit of your son, will you accept me? And God has promised that he will. Look what it says in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 4. It says, Shalt thou not be accepted? Talking to Cain. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. If you come to God any other way, and his son and his sacrifice on the cross and his burial and resurrection, then sin lieth at the door. There's only two religions in this world. It's the way of Cain, which is human production and trying to get themselves back to God or get themselves to God. And there's the way of Jesus, which is him and his cross. Okay. You want to know if you're saved or you want to know how to be saved? What's laying on your altar right now? What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Is it anything other than Christ crucified for you and buried and raised again? Then, friend, you've gone the way of Cain, okay? And you will not be accepted. You can't be on your own merit. I know I'm saved because I know there's nothing else on my altar. There's nothing else that I am trusting in to get me to heaven other than Christ and his finished work. And I know because God accepted Christ and his sacrifice that because my faith is in that, that he'll accept me also. I'm already accepted. Okay, I have eternal life because I've trusted in his son and the sacrifice that he made for me. Would you do that today if you haven't? If you haven't simply placed your faith in Christ alone. If you've been religious and tried to do your best and gone to church and gave to church and prayed and loved God, are we to place these things our, our repentance and our tears and our sorrow for our sins and our good deeds and our turning from this to do that, are we supposed to place these things up on the cross with Christ and think that they have any merit? It's all the way of Cain, friend. It's all the way of Cain, okay? And all I'm asking you to do and all God is asking you to do is believe the promise that when he sent his son to die on that cross that he did it for you. Would you do that today? Do you see how simple God's word makes these big questions of life? So many religions out there, so confusing, so many people trying to get to God in so many ways. And right in the beginning, God made it simple for us. He said, there's the way of Cain, which is human production. And there's the way that I made for you to get to me, which is my son crucified for you. Okay. Only two religions. Um, and the other one, the way of Christ and his cross isn't a religion at all. Please just trust in Christ and what he did for you alone today. If you were encouraged by this message or if it helped clear some things up for you, um, would you please share this with a friend, um, any friend, any family member, 
um, believing or not. I think that this message is vitally important, and I think God's Word does such a good job of clearing up this question for people, okay? You never know how it'll affect people. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope to see you next time.